Welcome to the Dig In Travel Podcast, where travel and other digital professionals level up their marketing skills by listening to the top industry experts. And now, here's your host, Istok Franco, founder of DigInTravel.com, your number one resource for travel, digital, e-commerce, and marketing. Hi, this is Istok, and you're listening to episode 30 of the Dig In Travel Podcast. Today, I'm going to be short with this intro because I'm very excited about the chat with Alberto Terrell content. Alberto is a head of customer experience design and development at Iberia. And before joining Iberia, Alberto worked for multinational giant 3M and as a consultant for Accenture and Deloitte. Now, why I'm excited about this chat and why do I think you really like it? Because we talked about marketing and innovation and how they are connected. Peter Drucker, one of the fathers of modern business, once said, because the purpose of business is to create a customer, the business enterprise has two and only two basic functions, marketing and innovation. Marketing and innovation produce results, all the rest are costs. It's a great quote, but Alberto went even further in our chat and broke this down into a framework. You can find the framework visual in our article, Link to the article is in the show notes of this podcast. A lot of airlines are in a tough spot at the moment and we'll need to ask ourselves one question that is part of Alberto's framework. Are we doing the right things? So listen to this chat with Alberto because he shared so many useful insights about innovation and marketing. One more thing, we introduced a new hire train and fire section at the end of this podcast and we had a lot of fun with it. Alberto had to choose between different concepts and ideas. So listen to the end to find out what ideas he likes the most and what ideas he really doesn't like. Now let's jump into my chat with Alberto. Hi Alberto and welcome to the Digging Trail podcast. Thanks so much Istok. It's a big pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining. I'm really excited about today's chat, even more so because I'm really happy to get another windsurfer on the podcast. <laughs> and we'll talk a lot about innovation and digital marketing today. But before we do, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your experience as a windsurfer. Because why I'm asking it? Personally, I like it because in, in windsurfing, you cannot skip steps. You really, it's a step-by-step learning experience. And in digital and marketing or analytics or, I don't know, digital optimization, I see we would often like to get from step one to step five immediately. For example, we do basic Google analytics or analytics, then jump straight to machine learning, data science and predictive analytics. How do you see your uh, windsurfing or sailing uh, learning experience? Yeah, so I love the metaphor indeed, and, and I use it very frequently, sailing, because I think it very much it, it has very much to do with innovation and, and with marketing. So I started very little. I think it was with, with 12 years old. So I was trying to pull a sail five meters and a half. It was from my father, and, and I would jump into my father's boat. And at some point, I decided, okay, let's go. I, I will give it a try. And, and I've been windsurfing for a long time. Funny enough, I stopped when I got kids, but this summer, it was the first time that uh, 
I dared to introduce them into windsurfing. Now they are even younger than the age I was when I started. They are 10 and, and 8, and, and they loved it. And, and I think it, it tells you, it teaches you many things, not just windsurfing, but sailing in, in general, like being patient enough, uh, observing the wind, where is it coming? Is it getting stronger or lighter? If I want to go there, what's the maybe not the shortest, but the most effective way to, to go there and, and all, all these zigzags that you do when sailing. The, the, the shortest path is, <laughs> is, is very often the, the wrong one. No? And, yeah, I like this one, yeah, Z zigzagging, because you cannot go directly into the wind. You need to mm -hmm. zigzag to get to the end point. And like I said, initially in business, I think, and innovation especially, I think we would like to go straight line to the goal, to the finish line, right? Yeah, and, and uh, something I like very much about sailing, which is quite counterintuitive, is that the more you go against the wind, eventually, the fastest you can go. No? So it's <laughs> like aircrafts a little bit, no? they, they take off against the wind uh, for a reason, no? and, and it's the same effect. Uh, I mean, just an industrial engineer, not an aeronautic engineer, but I tend to think that it's, uh, the effect is somehow similar. So I, I think in these times we are a little bit uh, going against the wind, but uh, eventually it could be for a very good reason. <laughs> great, great uh, metaphor, like you said. Besides windsurfing, the main reason why I wanted to talk to you for quite some time now is one of your posts on LinkedIn. It was called The Marketing Hero. That really intrigued me. It was a while ago, but I think it's still extremely relevant. And mm. you start the post with one of my favorite quotes by Peter Drucker, that business has only two basic functions, marketing and innovation. Yeah. Why do I have the feeling that in most companies and especially airlines, marketing departments are far from innovation? So I, I always uh, have thought that they are all together. I'm a marketeer. Uh, I started uh, as a marketeer in, uh, in 3M. Well, previously I was working in Accenture in consultancy as, as well, but I would say my main uh, school, uh, business school was, was marketing and, and then moving into innovation, I think they are very close um, fields. I, I tend to think marketing is about value, uh, it's about understanding customer needs, uh, this part of the discovery, the research and understanding what are the pains and, and the gains in the customer and innovation is more about creation. Uh, so if uh, so, bringing uh, some new ways of doing things and, and, and new processes and new technologies. So if you put them all together, no value creation, marketing and, and innovation, they go so well together. It's uh, turning an, an idea um, based on some customer pain or, or gain into a solution and, and execute it and provide value from a customer perspective. So they go together. And I think the skills from good marketeers and, and good innovative people are quite quite similar. No? They are um, around uh, curiosity, so questioning everything, bringing the, the what and the how and, and the when and the why to every conversation. I think we have to be uh, modest, uh, acknowledge that there are many things that we don't know and and spend quite a lot of time on, on research and, and embrace the what I call the unknown unknowns, no things that we don't know that we don't know, and, and we discovered it on the way talking to our customers. Then I think we need some modeling capabilities, so connecting the dots and, and, and see the, the big picture. 
And I think a, a fundamental element as well of marketing and innovation is the execution. So I, I have had a lot of uh, discussions with certain <laughs> designers and, and people from innovation. Not like we created this beautiful PPT and, and now it's a matter of uh, the execution team to execute. And, and my point is that unless a product or a service is uh, crafted, but then uh, deployed into the market and it's being consumed by customer, uh, there is no success at all. It's just an, an idea. We'll come to the execution part soon enough, <laughs> but I'm still not completely, let's say, satisfied with your answer because I think what you say, it's really, it's true. And I think it's, yeah, marketing and innovation should be tied together. And it's about creating the value. And like you said, uh, solving customer problems by creating new innov innovative products or services. But what I see in most companies, especially the big one is that marketing is still mostly about advertising or in digital marketing case, it's mostly about taking care of the website, doing e-commerce and doing digital advertising. Why do yeah. you think this happens? That is that we have, I don't know, some separate other innovation department that is somewhere else. Well, I think marketing is, is very wide. So my background is, is product marketing. So I think you mentioned all the branding and, and, and channel management and stuff, and, and that's part of marketing. But maybe what I would compare more uh, between marketing and innovation is, is product management. No? Uh, okay. Uh, so, and, and there, I think it's, it's very close to each other. So I think, for example, another example I, I would bring to you is that I think innovation teams in companies, in large companies, sometimes they, they are located into the HR people area no? because uh, because of all the change management needed and all the transformational efforts and, and so on. I think sometimes, very frequently, and I think uh, nowadays even more frequently, they belong to the IT and, and technical organization because it's very much uh, leveraging on technology. But the examples that I have seen uh, as more successful normally are those in which uh, these companies put the innovation function the initial innovation function, because I think it has to embrace the whole organization, but the, let's say that the team mobilizing innovation from the very beginning sits very close to the business. Uh, and, and therefore, again, I see the link between marketing, which for me is value creation and, and, and value delivery, uh, which is basically business, very much related to innovation. I'm not sure if, if this answer is better than the <laughs> <laughs> it is better i think you put a good disclaimer that in let's say successful companies or in companies that are really innovative this is close to the business so you're talking about i don't know even in airline cases about digital product or even in-flight product so how you put this together and uh, it needs to be yeah it needs to have all elements of marketing so yeah. Better. Going back to what you said uh, before, and this is what I liked from your article, and I will share. I will share it with our audience after the podcast in the show notes and in the article. Is this distinction that you had for marketing two two key areas, and one is about what you mentioned is about execution, and you call it uh, doing uh, things right. But the other part is more about forward thinking, about strategic foresight, about business modeling, and this is doing the right things. Can you tell me a little bit or maybe elaborate a little bit about it uh, on this distinction between 
doing the right things and doing things right. So, uh, no, absolutely. So that's a, a sentence that we used very much in, in our service design team. I think uh, both, both uh, steps are, are needed. It reminds me a little bit to the double diamond in, in service design, or, you know, first the, the divergence and then the convergence. And so I think uh, these two elements, designing things right, for me, it belongs more to marketing. It's discovering uh, what, uh, what is the underlying customer need, what's the pain, what's the customer, uh, the, the job to be done and, and so on. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, designing the right thing. In fact, in, in 3M, we had a, a heuristic that we use very frequently in this uh, design the right thing, which was the, the real win worth. So uh, every time we wanted to address if an opportunity uh, was worth it for 3M, we would first uh, envision if it was real, if there was a market, if there was a customer pain or need to be addressed. Is, is this opportunity real? Uh, the second one was, can we win? Do we have the capabilities in our company to achieve uh, a successful business out of this opportunity? And the third one would be uh, worth. Is it worth it? Or it would be so costly, or I would have to, to hire the talent that I don't have, uh, or, or so on. So, okay, there's opportunity. We could potentially win it, but it's not worth it. Or it would not uh, support our, our strategy or, or whatever. So for me, that's the, the design, the right thing. Uh, deciding what are you going to design and, and what's out of a scope as well, which is also very important. Yeah. Uh, and then we moved into the uh, to design things right. And, and there is more the world of uh, of, of, of uh, service design, of designing a product and, and service that matches those needs that you have discovered in, in the design, the, the right thing. Uh, it has more, much more to do with uh, UX, UI, with mm-hmm. choosing the right platform for delivering that uh, product or service, choosing the, the right partners. It's more the delivery part of, of the value. You, you can have... Um, you, you can be very strong in value creation, but you can be very poor in, in value delivering. And, and again, execution becomes fundamental in, in this second part. So we always, as service designers, try to keep both uh, areas balanced. Designing uh, the right things, choosing the, the right fights to, to fight, uh, but then deciding something that uh, was worth it for the, for the customer and appealing. A recent consumer survey we conducted over summer showed that the top three friction points in digital customer journeys when booking travels are difficult to navigate websites or apps, lack of price transparency, and technical glitches. Travelers are coming back. Are you ready to give them a standout experience? One that boosts revenue and loyalty? Glassbox helps you deliver frictionless digital journeys across web and mobile apps. Turn more traffic into bookings more travelers into repeat customers. Visit glassbox.com to see a demo today. Yeah, to me, this is really interesting. Maybe my background, my experience, also our research is more from the other parts of doing the right things in terms of, let's say, how to be agile, how to do growth marketing, how to do digital optimization, conversion optimization. Uh, But what I see is, for example, when we teach about digital optimization, if you do it right, so if you do re- really these agile loops of analyzing customer needs, measuring data, being structured in analytics, then trying to find solutions and uh, 
designing digital products to address these needs. It's basically you're moving up to the doing the right thing. So these things, I think, are connected. I don't yeah. know how you see this in practice. Is it more this bottom-up approach or is it top-down? So uh, Or is it mixed? Well, I, I think it's, um, on top of that, it's iterative. So you could okay. eventually start uh, defining a, a, an arena that you want to 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 fight for. Uh, so that's uh, design the right thing. Then you moved into design things right. And then you discover that it's impossible to deliver value in, in, in that field. And, and then you may decide to reassess if, if you are fighting for the right opportunity or you could uh, move into an adjacent opportunity or, or so on. So I think it's an iterative process. And, and moreover, I think when you launch a product afterwards, and, and this is something that we very often forget as service designers, we forget about the product when it's being delivered. No? And, and, and I think especially in, in those first weeks and, and months and, and even years, after the launch, uh, they are in, in hyper care or they should be in hyper care. And, and we should be reconsidering every every time, every week, following the KPIs, the metrics and, and improving the product. No, Because uh, very often we, we launch products. Uh, well, 3M is, is, uh, has massive amount of examples of products that were very unsuccessful for the purpose they were designed, but they were very successful for some other um, market, some other industries, and, and so on. Still, maybe on this point, why I was talking about more this bottom-up approach, let's say, from optimization, from doing the things right, digital optimization, because I think in digital marketing and in this digital optimization, for example, things like experimentation, A-B testing, doing small iterative MVPs, it's much more natural or it's much easier to do. So this is why I see this concepts being applied more often, while on total business, let's say even airline business, it's more difficult to experiment with the core product, let's say, yeah. or with the in-flight experience. What are What is your experience of trying to applying some of these principles of, let's say, experimentation, being agile to the overall business model and overall products, not just the digital side? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think... Uh... I, I had once uh, a boss that always came with the question, but are you 100% sure that this product will, will be successful? And, uh, and I said, come on, I, I'm not, uh, but this is Pareto principle. I'm pretty sure it, that's the case. I would say I'm 80% confident that it's, uh, it's uh, the right product for the right uh, market segment. But let's launch and, and let's learn also on the go and let's adjust and, and adapt. So I'm, I'm very fond of uh, experimentation and, and, and agile launching of, of new products. Otherwise, it's paralysis by analysis. And um, I think the other element that it, because you started with A-B testing and improving and, and these incremental improvements, it, I think the reason why I was mentioning that designing the right things is so important is that because very often I see also this, especially in, in these days, the obsession with efficiency. Uh, so this has to be, uh, no, we have to, to deliver efficiency gains. And, and, and my point is that there is nothing so useless as, as doing something very efficient, uh, which is not uh, usable uh, at all, or that we shouldn't have done at all. We can be executing something beautifully, it's very efficient, but there is no 
customer need or there's not market uh, to be addressed. So, so, so I think, therefore, we, we need to keep balance on, on both aspects. But experimentation, uh, rapid uh, prototyping and, and so on. Uh, in fact, we had a, a discussion early this week about prototyping. I think we were discussing about uh, research and, and, and we want a customer uh, research in which we would envision what customers want for a specific product uh, segment. And, and my point was that customers would never come with the, with, with the solution. That's the job of, of the product owner, of the marketeer. Eventually, by prototyping and, and showing them some mockups, we can uh, show them, okay, this is the, the, the size and the color and the, uh, and the shape and, uh, that this would have. Uh, is it in the, are we working on the right direction or is this something that doesn't resonate with you at all? And, and I think all this rapid experimentation makes perfect sense with, with any product launch. Yeah, and I think when we talk about, for example, experimentation, and this is, I think, the same in innovation, is you can also do something that you mentioned in your model, uh, let's say exploration type of experiments and more disoptimization uh, type of exploitation experiments. So, and it's never one or the other. I think you need to mix both. Once to to be to achieve the operational excellence so of doing the things right, like you said, but also try to step out and do exploration, try to uh, innovate and try to think, find if can, uh, can we do something completely different or completely in a different way, because this is very usually the big gains happen. So, uh, absolutely. And also because I think we always do this research, but customers are very bad at telling you what they want. Sometimes they lie. Sometimes they, they, they don't know. Or sometimes they, they think they want something which is not what they want. Uh, so I'm I'm very fond of of this uh, sentence that market is said that uh, don't tell me what your keeper chasing drivers are so just show me your ticket and and I will figure out no by analyzing what you bought no so I I like very cheap products and then you see the ticket and 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 he bought something very expensive and and so so I think uh, this experimentation is great because you generate data and you can analyze that data being generated by the product in, in operation. I think products uh, have to speak, both digital and, and physical products. We have to make them as, as product designers. We have to make them uh, deliver data to analyze and, and optimize after in, in the post-launch phase. My colleague and friend, Stefan Tonke, who is teaching about experimentation and innovation at Harvard Business School, he said in one of our chats for our digital academy, he called this what you talked about, the focus group, uh, you know, uh, fact, challenge. He yeah. said, yeah, the, usually when you ask people what they would like to eat, even if like, they would say the salad, but then when they really order, they, cho they choose the cheeseburger. You know? Yeah, so, <laughs> exactly. So this is uh, the thing. Okay, maybe if we sum up this about uh, innovation and let's say design thinking, what are maybe some of your key learnings? Because you work, I think, in this field for quite some time. What do you think are the, the, big, the biggest learnings that you think? Or what was the, the biggest things that you thought that are one way, but yeah. ended up completely different? Yeah. So I, I think I thought uh, that uh, innovation uh, was more about uh, skills. And, and I think over the, the years, I'm discovering that it's far more about attitude. So 
And, and that's the, the approach when I've been hiring marketeers in, in 3M or, or now service designers, uh, is bringing people with uh, curiosity, uh, with this sense of observation, with customer obsession. And, and when I say customer obsession, uh, it's spending a lot of hours with, with customers, interacting with them. Uh, so not, not uh, focus groups, uh, uh, which is a control environment, but... Uh, observing customers um, dealing with uh, our products and, and services. Uh, I, I also thought at the beginning that, okay, maybe you need a lot of, of money to invest in. And, and for example, a good example is, is 3M, no? with, with all this R&D approach. You know that in, in 3M, they spend uh, something like 5, 5 to 6% in, in R&D compared to total sales which is not very, very much if you compare to some other, for example, all the tech companies and 5%, that's nothing, but they do it very efficient. So instead of investing in, in product development, they invest in what they call technology platforms development. So which allows, so for example, abrasives or adhesives or micro replication or you name it. And, and therefore they, they invest in these capabilities that afterwards you can cross in kind of matrix approach uh, to different markets. So you discover a product uh, and, or you discover a, a technological platform that together with another one, so for example, a, a film and a, an adhesive that all together is the right product for protecting a, a train uh, at 300 kilometers per hour in, uh, in, in, in Saudi Arabia, for example. No? Uh, with all the sand from the desert, it, it destroys the... The, the front side of, of the train. And then you have built a product together with the customer. It was not originally a product. It didn't exist. There were two technological platforms and you combine them all together and, and you created a, a solution. So I think budget very often, uh, I, I think if you play with a big budget, you don't have so many restrictions. And sometimes it, it can be, it's counterintuitive, but it can be against uh, innovation. Uh, I, I would say another totally different topic which is so relevant for, for progressing uh, with innovation in our companies is how managers get measured. So, okay, maybe in the vision statement in a company, it says that we would like to be the most innovative. Okay, let's go into the KPIs uh, that managers are, are using. Are they being <laughs> measured uh, by the business as usual or by exploring the next big thing? No? And, and, and very often that tells you the culture of innovation which is um, um, happening in, in a company. Uh, and, and I mentioned culture. So uh, I think, for example, something I, I loved, I loved uh, about the American approach to innovation. And I think it's, I, I experienced that in, in 3M, but I've been talking with uh, friends from HP, Salesforce. Uh, I think in, in the American corporates, uh, there's emotional safety within the teams for for putting some time for exploring and, and trying to discover things out of business as usual. Uh, so the famous rule of the 15% and there are many different mechanisms um, for, for making the, the teams work on, on something which is enriching the, the total knowledge within the, the company and they can openly share their findings and the mistakes are allowed and, and so on. So that cultural aspect is, is fundamental as well. Do you think is this cultural aspect and what you said before 
not skills, but attitude is why a lot of big airlines, and I see this in the airline sector, uh, work with this uh, startup uh, accelerator, startup hubs, trying to get some of these different kind of culture and different kinds of attitude to help them with innovation. Absolutely. I think in airlines we have an issue, which is that it's an industry which is risk averse. And that's great if you are a customer, if you are flying in, in an aircraft and you know that, uh, so the the, you know, the American sentence, if it's not broken, don't fix it. If something has been working for two decades, uh, don't touch that uh, physical element of the aircraft. No? And, and this attitude is great in terms of, of safety and, and security. But in terms of, of business, it could be a, it could be hindering innovation. So I think a mechanism, I would say not just airlines, but I've been observing all across the, the world in, in many different industries is bringing these startups in which very often they bring skills that do not exist within the company or they have the speed to market that uh, we can't afford because we are a bigger animal or so on. But I think the, the fundamental element of bringing these startups in, into our organizations is the, the cultural uh, cross-pollinization, I call it, no? uh, between the, the employees from the corporate and, and people from the startup. And I would say in both directions. Sometimes we tend to think that the startup world is, is great and, uh, and, and they can learn a lot from the corporate as well. No? So I, I think it's very enriching for both parties. I agree. And I think, like you said, a good point about being risk averse. And this, I think, is why I see some companies, some airlines, I think Eurowings Digital is one example, where they created a completely new company, Eurowings Digital, to, to, to build it from scratch on these different kinds, less risk averse, more uh, innovative, more, let's say, uh, mentality and attitude towards exploration and experimentation and innovation yeah um, okay now at the end because you give me a lot of food for thought about trying not to do the just doing the the things right but trying to do the right things and i think this is the 30th episode of our podcast we'll try something new so we'll do a, let's say a rapid fire section which i called promote train or fire you know so I give you three things and you can promote one, the one that you like most, like with employees, you promote the second one that you like second best. You say, okay, I will train it. So like it will become better. And the last one that you don't like you fire. Okay. I'm not sure I have understood the full mechanics. So <laughs> okay, we'll try on the, the, the first simple example. Okay, you mean related to my personal experience? No, no. Okay, I, I, let's okay, see. Let's so see. Your example. Okay, this is innovation on, on live on podcast. <laughs> yeah. So when you're traveling, flying, hopefully more and more in the future. Yeah. And you have aisle, middle, and window seats. So which one do you promote? So which one do you like the most? which is the second best, so you train, and which one would you fire? So which one would you say, okay, I don't want that one? Okay, so I think it's obvious that the one in the middle uh, downgrade. <laughs> <laughs> so you fire the middle seat. Okay. The middle seat, I fire the middle seat. Uh, I, I think uh, the the window is is, is my favorite place. Uh, so promote? Okay. I, I would promote, and, and then aisle, it's somewhere in the middle. Okay, okay, good. So you see, it's not that difficult. Yeah. Um, Okay, now let's talk about new technologies. So 
I see that you are interested in a lot of the new technologies, obviously, because you're working on innovation. So promote, train or fire the three things, biometrics, virtual reality and voice assistance. Okay, so uh, so I think uh, I think voice assistants I would promote definitely. Okay, so you think they are the best of these three? The, yeah. the, 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 okay, good. Well, and, and I would explain why. I think the, okay. the best the best user in the interface is the one that it doesn't exist. Okay. So I, I tend to see voice as an interface that uh, is very natural. You you feel interacting with it like if it wouldn't exist. I think biometrics would be the second one because I okay. think it's a, a very good improvement in, in streamlining processes, but it's more inv invasive, let's say. Mm -hmm. And then the third one you mentioned, which one was it? Virtual reality. And virtual reality. I, I love the real world, I have to say. <laughs> so you fired the virtual fired. reality. Yeah. Good, good. Okay, next one we talked about, let's say, digital optimization activities, innovation activities. So let's say you want to try or rank these free activities. So promote, train or fire. Yeah. A-B testing, focus groups, and then a team building gateway. Let's say, which one of the three? Okay, so focus groups, uh, I would fire them. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I, I've been using focus groups very frequently. I just think that there are now better ways of, of managing research. So that's right. uh, the reason, but they have been very useful for a, a, a big uh, number of years. I would say uh, the getaway with the colleagues, it would be in, in the middle because okay. I, I don't expect to have getaways. Uh, I, I expect to have very frequent contact and, and very honest and, and open okay. contact with, with my team every single day. And A-B testing I would promote, I think would be the most relevant. Good, good. Now the last one, and this is not that much related to, let's say, digital technologies or digital optimization or innovation. It's about learning, yeah? So let's say when we talk about learning, you have these three options. So you have a, a book, a podcast, or a YouTube video. Wow, this is difficult. <laughs> no, I mean, sometimes uh, it's, it depends on the case, but let's yeah, say... Yeah, yeah, I mean... I think podcasts would be in the in the middle because okay. I, I still I, I recognize the value out of it, but I still haven't embraced podcasting uh, to the to the great extent that I was expecting to embrace it. Uh, videos are very practical, and but I mean, uh, I, I would if I have to choose between videos and, and books, I think the the kind of learning. Of, of sound learning that you get by reading a book and, and marking mm -hmm. the elements out of it, which are more interesting. And, and, and also normally the atmosphere in which you consume books versus the atmosphere in which you consume videos, I would promote the, the books and, and remove the, the videos. But th this was the toughest one, I would say, this last <laughs> one. Good, good. Tough under the, the aisle, middle and the window seat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good, thanks. Maybe to sum it up, uh, the chat, when we talk about learning, is there something that you are really curious or that you read about that was something that really made a mark on you recently? Any books or, or articles or podcasts or even the YouTube videos? I think, um, so for example, something that now I'm, I'm very interested in and I want to further explore is the, the non-code uh, approach to software delivery. I'm not a developer, 
but as a designer, as, as a marketeer and as a designer, it resonates very, very much with me being able eventually to prototype things very fast and, and very cost effective with, with non-code. So I'm seriously considering attending uh, okay. a, a non-code course uh, this year. I have to find time, uh, which is a, a big issue. But um, I would say that from the from the more business standpoint, and then from the more personal standpoint, I'm learning for the very first time ever uh, piano. Oh, uh, great! Because it it helped me. So I, I bought a piano while we were locked down, and it helped me very much uh, to relax myself. You no, know, I think when you do something manual with your hands, yeah. uh, it it makes your your brain focus on it, and and then everything else, all the issues uh, fade away. I know what we'll do on our next podcast, Alberto. So be, be ready. Be ready. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't be Mozart soon. I won't. I won't. <laughs> no, but I love the no code, uh, the no code that you mentioned, because what I observed in marketing and in e-commerce was the, transform the transition from code to low code. Yeah. So a lot of digital market marketers platforms became like low code so you could do a lot of stuff like you have SES platforms for digital marketing for a b testing for analytics that can be set up with low code and i think the no code is the next step so if you're able like you said a marketer that works in innovation that can put stuff together like a prototype and test it i think then it really helps what we talked about initially being working on innovation and not being So not necessarily that this all this stuff, the complex tech stuff uh, lies in IT or in development, right? Absolutely. Fully agree. Thank you, Alberto. This was great. I hope the the promote train and fire section wasn't too difficult. I enjoyed. I enjoyed your insights. And as I said to our audience, I will share some of the concepts that we talked about and the graphics in our podcast uh, show notes and in the article because I think they are really great when you think about innovation and i hope that we repeat this sometimes in the future yeah it, it was lovely if i would have to rate with an nps it would be it would be 10 for sure so <laughs> I, i would recommend it to the next participant in the post podcast i had a lot of fun and and beautiful and interesting debate so thanks so much uh, for for having me thanks Thank a lot you. Thank you for adding the nps to our podcast so this is the next thing that i will ask My next yeah. guest, because nobody <laughs> will dare to do the really low ratings on the, you know, on the record. So yeah. good idea. Thanks. Thanks, Alberto. Thanks a lot. A recent consumer survey we conducted over summer showed that the top three friction points in digital customer journeys when booking travels are difficult to navigate websites or apps, lack of price transparency, and technical glitches. Travelers are coming back. Are you ready to give them a standout experience? One that boosts revenue and loyalty? Glassbox helps you deliver frictionless digital journeys across web and mobile apps. Turn more traffic into bookings, more travelers into repeat customers. Visit glassbox.com to see a demo today.